1: Good morning and welcome back to Intrepid Business. I'm your host, Todd Schneck. Can't get enough innovation on this show. Uh, Today's conversation promises to be very interesting. It's a different way to think about innovation, certainly in the way that we've discussed it over the years on this show. So I'm looking forward to this different way to think about it, different way to approach it and frankly, how to get over your humannessness, which can really, as we'll soon discover, can negatively impact your creativity and innovation. So promises to be a fun chat. Let's get to it. Joined today by Adam Hansen. He's a partner and vice president of innovation with ideas to go and the author of a new book called Outsmart Your Instincts, or I should say co-author of a new book called Outsmart Your Instincts. Adam, welcome to the show. Todd, thank you so much. Really happy to be with you. Well, the pleasure's mine. I appreciate you making time. Got this great new book out. So I uh, know you're awfully busy. Grateful for you swinging by. Uh, so before we get into a conversation around the new book, Adam, take a few quick seconds. To tell us a bit about you, your background, and what Ideas to Go is all about.
2: Well, thank you so much, Todd. I got really lucky early on in grad school to find out that I could do innovation for a living. And the moment that was made clear to me, I just remembered thinking with some a, a real moment of clarity, if you could do that for a living, why wouldn't you? Right. So very fortunate to spend my entire career there, first half on the client side, lastly of which was with Mars, the candy company, where I was director of innovation. And then I met the good folks at ideas to go and then it kind of made some sense to come join them. So I've been with ideas to go now for a little over 15 years, and- we are innovation process consultants meaning we don't claim any particular industry expertise although many of us come from you know consumer the consumer product side but we do a lot of work in consumer packaged goods in financial services in healthcare and our expertise is in finding the creative voice of the constituents meaning the customers or just anyone who has you know some part of the puzzle in the front end of innovation we find those who are much more creatively or much more creative and and just much more articulate and can help out our clients when they're coming up with new product ideas or new service ideas or communications at the very front end of innovation and along the way we started to notice that a lot of the work that we were doing had some really great intersections with what was coming out of behavioral science. And that's what set the stage for us to put together our book, Outsmart Your Instincts, which is just noting that, you know, hey, innovation is really great and it can be unnecessarily difficult. And we wanted to see if we could get the message out that some of those roadblocks in doing innovation just don't need to be there. And if we're just aware of some of those mental traps that we all have, that we're just not aware of. If we could highlight them and then show you what you can do about them, that that could be our contribution to making innovation, the really the joyful and fun thing that we really believe it, it really is and really should be for everyone.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you 100% on that and grateful to your work on that. I think it's critically important. I think there's a lot of people, a lot of organizations that that struggle with being innovative and th- there's a reason why and it's what you outline in this book. So I'm looking forward to diving into that though. Before we do that, I mean, I'd... It might be helpful I'm actually quite curious to know how you'll answer this but what is your definition of innovation I still think there's far too many people out there that think it's a synonym for creativity when I think they're very different how do you define innovation
2: Well innovation is is really we believe it's it it's any it's really kind of at the intersection of uniqueness and relevance that creates value for a customer and so both both parts of that are essential. Uniqueness, I mean, it has to be distinctive. It has to be really not just distinctive. We believe that you should push it forward to being actually noteworthy, remarkable in some way, and really the, the holy grail there, somehow, if it can be actually indispensable. But then the indispensability points to, you know, some sort of of relevance. If it's really cool, but you try it, you go, okay, well, that was great, but I never need to do that again. Then it's not really relevant. It doesn't really have a role in your life. But then it needs to make a difference for the customer on an ongoing basis. If it doesn't really kind of check off all those boxes, it's it's really kind of hard to say that it's innovative.
1: Well, see, that's where that's exactly the point. I mean, I I think most people think, well, hey, it's unique, so thus it's thereby innovative. well, see, no. I mean, I re- I remember how I learned what innovation meant many years ago when I came up with this really cool idea and I shared it with a friend. I said, what do you think? This is pretty innovative. And he said, no, I don't know. Does it work? <laughs> and and that was a forehead smack moment because I realized, all right, well, maybe it is creative, but you're right. It's not innovative because I don't know if it's actually going to have, as you say, bring value, which is what something has to do to be innovative. So fascinating stuff. Well, thank you for doing that. So again, the book is called Outsmart Your Instincts, How the Behavioral Innovation Approach Drives Your Company Forward. So I ask some variation of this question. Now, you sort of already touched on why this book is a bit different, uh, but I want to ask it to you anyway, because I'm just curious, is if you go to Amazon and you search books on innovation, there's endless titles, and I always ask, well, why did the world need another book on on this subject? Uh, I think I know your answer, and I agree with you on it, but just curious how you'll respond to that question.
2: Some of this is, you know, uh, it, to, to some extent, all advice is autobiography, right? Yeah, right. Uh, and as a younger man, I had this very, and, and I think it's probably typical of younger people. I had this belief, and I actually did put in, you know, new stage gate processes in three different companies with the belief that, man, if you just get the system right, and it's elegant, and it's beautiful, and it's wonderful, then people just see the inherent you know, magic of it. And then all of our problems will be solved. And and just, man, everything's going to be perfect. And, you know, we'll, we'll all be wearing silk robes by Christmas. Bit by bit, and it took too long to figure this out, was it's still going to confront these pesky humans. And (laughs) no matter how wonderful the system is, if you're not really dealing what's going on inside people's heads, then you're only going to be able to go so far. And so that's I started to become exposed to certain sayings like, you know, culture eats strategy for lunch, and then I came to understand the only problem with that saying is lunch is only one of three meals. And (laughs) (laughs) culture probably eats strategy for all three meals, you know. Right. And and so yes, you know, strategy, systems, processes and everything, as they say necessary but not sufficient. And if you don't start to go to work on what is actually going inside people's heads, then you're, ne- you're just not going to get nearly as far as you need to. And so the, what we believe is happening with the book is, whereas 20, 30 years ago, there really was some ground to be taken in terms of systems and processes, but we've now seen with our clients, for the most part, you know, they're, they're pretty close to parity, on their systems that wasn't necessarily true 15 or 20 years ago there really could have been some ground taking a lot of productivity gains in, in innovation on getting some better systems going but we believe now we really do need to go to work on what's you know what are what are those obstacles those roadblocks internally because now you have these really wonderful systems and a lot of our clients are still really dissatisfied with what's going on with innovation internally, and they're still hitting all these roadblocks and so Now you have these wonderful systems, and you're going to these meetings and they're still slamming up against the wall and As you go to see what that the nature of that is, it's still because humans are still
1: <laughs> humans yeah
2: still still humans, and these non conscious things are going on. That needs to be addressed now.
1: Well, let's get into that. So these pesky humans, uh, which are which are causing these roadblocks, despite good systems and and more awareness of what it might take to systematize an innovation process or practice. uh, But but there is just a fundamental foundation as to who we are through our evolution and our biology. And and so walk us through, kind of set the table here, what the problem is and why, despite all this great literature on process with innovation, that we still hit these walls.
2: Yeah. And here's a metaphor. You know, just we now know that, you know, our bodies are still wired from a metabolism standpoint for the needs of millennia ago. Uh, our bodies are still wired for caloric scarcity. And now it's caloric overabundance that has most of us in trouble. Our bodies are still wired to go days without food. And so that's why, you know, salt, uh, sugar, fat is is now messing us up in that regard. Our minds also are still wired for danger, you know, survival, you know, existential threat. And so we negativity is still a very big deal to us. Bad is still much stronger than good to us. And our body doesn't make a distinction between threat, be that, you know, small personal slight versus tiger. We still have this, we still have the same kind of cortisol response, still the adrenaline response. And our bodies still don't make really much of distinction between those two, between those, those two types of responses. And so, you know, think about why that evolved, and it was really helpful. Yeah, our ancestors had to have a a, a a default mode of all novelty seeming first and foremost as threat, not necessarily as opportunity. And so, if there was a you know kind of a different type of Russell in the bushes, the curious and inquisitive who went to to check that out, you go, yeah, that's a rustle, but that's a different type of sound. I'm going to go see what that's all about. We know almost immediately what happened to their genetic fate, right. and they got culled probably out of the herd, or at least their, their odds took a pretty big hit. Our ancestors were those who were the very best at going, not even thinking about it, but just getting the heck out of there just as quickly as possible, and so you repeat that generation after generation after generation, and we are the descendants of the savants, of risk aversion. So we come by that very naturally and we don't have to blame ourselves for it. And the good news on in all of this, so when I talked about pesky humans, I'm not saying that from a position of judgment and none of us can. We're all in this together. But we just need to be aware of that. We need to understand that this is our starting point with all of the eight cognitive biases that we talk about. Uh, we're in the boat together. So a little bit of humility about it, even a little bit of sense of humor about it is really a great place to start from. The cognitive biases are inheritance. And so, you know, let's lock arms and kind of march forward together, being aware that these non-conscious starting points is what we have to deal with. But the good news is, once we're aware of them, the fixes for them, or at least the some simple steps to to make their worst impacts less damaging in innovation, in particular and even in an interpersonal life, uh, those simple steps really aren't that difficult.
1: Yeah. You know, and as you said, uh, the, the, this this isn't fatal. There are things we can do to to deal with this. Uh, and as you said, the, the first key is awareness and recognizing Absolutely. that it does happen. And then once, once you do that, well, then boom then you're certainly going downhill, so it's uh, in a good way, so it's very exciting. All right, Adam Hansen and I will return after this short break, we'll be right back.
0: Think Next, Act Now is an entrepreneurial movement. It is a teaching platform, a coaching forum that emphasizes action. And the link between thought and action makes a difference in the outcome you determine, or the result that's determined for you. When you see, seize, and create opportunity for yourself, you take a big step toward becoming recession-proof and changing your life. If you are determined to make a change in your life, Think Next, Act Now will provide the essential toolkit to move your life forward. Only realized potential caches the check of reality. Now is the time to realize your potential. Think Next, Act Now, and go always forward. To learn more, go to billwooditch.com. That's BillWoodich.com.
1: All right. I'm back with Adam Hansen, a co-author of a new book called Outsmart Your Instincts, How the Behavioral Innovation Approach Drives Your Company Forward. So, all right. So Adam, uh, the top of the first half, we closed on kind of what's happening to our evolution and how that's uh, negatively impacting our ability to be innovative and certainly work within a process. So, Tell us what happens. And so in a work environment when perhaps there's a, a team that's been assembled and tasked with with creating some new ideas or some new strategies or implement a solution to a, an ongoing problem, an idea is presented and then what do we typically do as humans?
2: <laughs> Our default mode, even when we're in perhaps a brainstorming session, even when we're trying to come up with more ideas, even when we're, when we're told to you know try to build and expand bad is stronger than good and it's going to be easier to go to what the problems are with with something new and so we just need to know that the thumb is already on the scale for that so we need to consciously not go there first and we need to we need to be stronger so that we can expand the negative emotions uh based on the research we know that negative emotions narrow And are at best sub-tactical, and they're going to push you. They're going to they're going to push in some very short-term, narrow directions. Conversely, the positive emotions broaden and build, per the work of Barbara Fredrickson. And so, this is not about being Pollyanna riding a unicorn. It's it's very it's smart. It's more strategic. It's actually produces better business results. And so, it's just really kind of being more. It's taking more control of our cognitive <laughs> machinery and saying i am choosing now to assert you know kind of control of of this great you know vessel up in my head and so i'm going to broaden and build i know that my instinct is going to take me in this other direction i'm going to broaden and build instead of narrow and just go to kind of really sub tactical stuff it's going to be so easy to go to what the problems are and and what's really also vexing about this is the research shows that that negative response is also seen as being really smart so isn't that weird it's automatic it's reflexive but the research also shows that negativity appears profound and those two things shouldn't coexist (laughs) it shouldn't be automatic and smart but, you know, we're humans, so we're irrational, and that's, when
1: that's the way it is. When you broaden and build, as you say, versus narrow your options, you're actually you're improving the chance of success because you're giving yourself more options. Now, you still that's may right. ultimately weed out some of those, and you know, I get to some point in this process, you do have to – So how do you – so what's the fine line there? Because, I mean, what you've said is you have to kind of go from a a judgment mode to a discovery mode. And I I interpret discovery mode as this broaden and build idea. And let's discover – all right, here's an idea. Instead of saying, oh, let's crap on it and, you know, this won't work because of this and it won't work because of that and this guy's not going to like it and that department head's going to – gonna shoot all over it uh, no i mean that, that's our typical default what we need to do is, is is get into more of this discovery mode of this thing which is when you say all right well this is interesting so what could we do differently or how do we build on that i mean that, that's not intuitive for most of us because as, as you've said it's hardwired into us uh, but so sh- talk about this shit from judgment to discovery mode
2: well yeah it's just it's time and place it's it's uh our default will always be to the narrowing down not the broadening and building and so it's to your point it is fair at some point you do have to then smartly and based on some sort of strategic criteria then narrow and decide so we're not we're not always in this you know this divergent mode of just hey more and more and more and more and build and build and build and build but that usually isn't the problem. That's usually not the challenge that we face. We, we we not often enough are in this broaden and build mode, and it's too easy. Again, it's default mode to just find to, – to go straight to what isn't working in, in some new idea. So it's just – again, it's just being conscious about where we are, what we're trying to accomplish, and without being conscious, without stating what we're trying to do, we're always going to go to the – critique and narrow and shoot down so we just need to know where we are what we're trying to accomplish and then know if we're not deciding we're going to do that negative thing another thing that
1: we're doing and i guess this is a way one way to to address this issue is just the, your choice of language i mean i think most of us when we are presented with a new idea or a new solution or a new potential product we just we shift into this yes but mode whereas you suggest we should be in a yes and mode. Explain that.
2: Yeah, uh, much more often yes and. It's, it's just, again, the notion that even yes but is kind of funny. It's, a, it's a, actually a little bit of a eu- euphemism because we're on the yes for, you know, uh, all of a nanosecond, and the but usually comes awfully quickly. Uh, yes and will at least try to affirm something there as having some value. And then you build off that. Uh, yes, but if it, if it actually is even affirming anything, any facet of the idea as actually having some value, you're you're pretty quickly getting off that, and you're still going straight to one of the one of the concerns to try to make the idea just go away. And so when you're using yes and, you again get into this multiplicative mindset, this expansive mindset, and then the next step we'd say after that is to use the very real concerns about a new idea. If an idea is sufficiently new, there should be some concerns about it because, hey, I haven't thought about this, and no idea right out of the gate is going to be perfect. And so with this type of mindset that we encourage, we will say, hey, when you're, when you're taking this approach, even the concerns can be productive if you use them the right way. And now the concerns can be the seedbed for more ideas because the concern shines some specific light on opportunity not to shoot down ideas, but now the concerns can focus your attention on even additional areas of improvement. And now you can use them to go, oh, yeah, that is right. That is something we should think about. Let's come up with, with some ideas now to address those concerns instead of using those concerns to kill ideas. Well, because the, the oh,
1: absolutely. Well, I mean, that, that's yeah. that's the key difference here. I mean, the yes, but is another way of just rejecting the idea and saying, "I am, yeah. I'm not even thinking of it." And, and and as we we've as we've said on throughout this broadcast, is that that's just our natural default. The yes and is is it's like a improvisational technique. I mean, you've heard about this with business improv. I mean, this yes and is is an approach to improv and, and, and that's very much a creative process. And so you're, you're in essence kind of, and as you've said, and I'm kind of repeating what you said, cause I want to solidify it in my mind, but, but there you can still take the negative or the potential problems with the new idea and integrate them into the wider story and, and, and then build on that. If I'm hearing and understanding you correctly, it's pretty exciting. I mean, I think, I mean, I can't tell you how many meetings I've been in where we were tasked with coming up with an idea or a solution or, or a new product. And, and, you know, we always just kind of end up going on the pros and cons table structure, you know? And, and I mean, one of the things you've said is now don't, don't list problems, list solutions. And that, I mean, how do you do that? I mean, that's, I mean, that it's, it's, again, I think it's a simple mindset shift, right?
2: It, it, what it is. And what we to model this principle with our clients, every project starts off with at least an hour and a half or two hours of a, a little mini training session where we spend a fair amount of time on this very principle. And what we to model it, we actually go to another category so they can see what the principle looks like. And they're not immediately just thinking of their own topic. And we will deliberately bring in a clearly bad idea. we show a bad kind of an absurd idea we show that if you can use this mindset on or even a really bad idea or a weird idea or an absurd idea you come quickly to see that it's not even necessarily the idea per se but how you process the idea that that's that's where the magic resides And you start to see that even with a bad idea, then when you see what you're for in the idea, because every idea is really a a compound of ideas, right? Little facets of it. When When you go to what you're for and then what you wish for with the concerns or just some of the questions about it, then even a really bad idea has this multiplicative value to it. And you start to appreciate ideas early on for their provocative value. And what they can all start to open up for you, not necessarily for their immediate merits as a launch candidate in and of themselves. Right, right. So, so that's really the way to play with ideas, particularly early on in the process.
1: Well, I mean, I'm thinking about how many times I've I've heard people talk about this idea that hey, one of the goals here is to just you should generate a whole bunch of ideas because only one of them might ultimately be good. But but I'm I'm listening to you talk about that and what what when someone presents what we immediately judge a bad idea, we we've just done exactly what you suggest we shouldn't do because if you go into it with this approach of of being you know doing the yes and and listing solutions. Sometimes those, what we immediately judge a bad idea, become the thing that changes a marketplace, right? I mean, that's how you begin to change the world. I mean, there's plenty of things that have revolutionized how we go about our daily lives that were at one point labeled on a chalkboard somewhere a bad idea, right?
2: <laughs> well, this is, just think back not too long ago. Go back five years ago, and if I told you, hey, I have a really great idea for a new musical, I'm going to base it on one of the, the least well-known founding fathers, Shall we do it? Everyone would have said, Well, yeah, I, what are you talking about? Uh, that's right. It's a founding
1: father <laughs> who got whacked by a sitting vice president and what's 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 <laughs> make it let's tie it into hip hop. I mean most people yeah, would let's say let's do that. Most people would have said, What are you thinking? You know, and now look at it today. I mean it's uh, uh, the, the theater that plays that here in Chicago is just down the street and there's continues to be lines around the block going to see that thing. So that's a that's a great yeah, example of t-
2: Todd, if I'd come to you 10 years ago and said, I've got a really great idea, I'm going to have strangers pick you up at uh, 2 a.m. in their own cars. <laughs> uh don't you like that
1: idea? Uh-huh. Or if you have a basement, uh, hey, you can you can rent it out to people now. I mean, uh, you don't even know. And oh yeah, no, that will, that will never fly. But that, that, so this is this is a good. These are good examples. Uh, obviously, we're talking about Uber and Airbnb. But um, but these, but this is exactly proves the point. I mean, you could. You can just imagine that first guy who presented the idea for Hamilton, and then imagine the immediate uh, people <laughs> throwing paper at him and all that. And then you go through this process that we've been talking about. You can suddenly see where this could become interesting, and and yeah. and when you provide solutions to it, and yes, and it, then all of a sudden, you, 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 that's where you build excitement, and that table suddenly turns from from mocking to oh, this. This could change Broadway forever. I mean, I mean, so it's 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 that's a great example. We're running low on time, Adam. I just I I, I you let off the whole broadcast by talking about all the uh, innovation process work that you do, and so I guess uh, the obvious way to kind of close this is to someone listening saying, "All right, boy, I, you describe these these negative nabobs and how they just automatically judge everything." That's certainly our organization. We we want to begin to figure out how to make an adjustment here, and so. What are some initial preliminary steps that, that an an organization or a team or heck even an individual when they want to kind of shift and in, 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 innovate this new way? I mean, how do you begin uh, how do you begin to turn that around? That's it's it's not always easier as it, as it may, may seem.
2: Yeah, well certainly you could you can reach us at www.ideas2go.com and ideas to go spelled out no numeral in there, com. The book you can find at amazon.com or at com. You can certainly contact me. You can find me on Twitter at adhansen, I love talking about all this stuff, and so certainly hit me there. We're going to be on this path talking about behavioral innovation for a while, We're already starting the early outlining for book two. This is not a, uh, you know, it's just kind of a quick hit in and out. There's more to be figured out here because there's these wonderful humans instead of pesky humans, I I should now come back and say. It's just fascinating. And there's, there's just more work to be done here. So we love what we do. We all feel fortunate to be able to do this work. Uh, to a person, we all think this is the greatest job we've ever had, and uh, we feel very fortunate to be able to do it. So, we'd love to talk to anyone who gets in contact with us.
1: Outstanding. Yeah, I can understand why this is rewarding work. So, and again, thank you for this important work because it that simple shift in how people approach this process can 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 change everything about it and make their work interesting and rewarding and fun too, and that's important as well. All right, Adam Hansen. Yeah partner and VP of innovation at Ideas to Go and the author of a new book, Outsmart Your Instincts. Adam, once again, pleasure to have you. Thanks again for stopping by. Perfect. Thanks, Todd. All right. It's all the time we have for today. Again, on behalf of my guest, Adam Hansen, I am Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Business. Thank you for listening to Intrepid Media. We appreciate your attention. To receive everything we do, simply go to intrepidmailinglist.com. That's intrepidmailinglist.com and sign up. You can also find us at intrepid.media and on iTunes. And to support the important work we do on your behalf, a rating and review on iTunes will help spread our work far and wide. Again, we certainly appreciate your support. Now, get out there, be intrepid, and we'll see you next time.